This is the Horse Radio Network. Hello, this is episode 66 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by our friends at Kentucky Performance Products, Casual Company, and Arena Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, RRP Executive Director Jen Reutz joins us to give a recap of the first ever Thoroughbred Makeover. Professor and horse trainer Rachel Walker shares how she started a pilot program at her university teaching students how to restart retired racehorses. And last but not least, Leandra Cooper joins us again from New Vocations and brings us our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Our Listener of the Week is Maddie Schultz. If you'd like to be our Listener of the Week, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Oh my gosh, I have been cleaning all day. It's that time of year where it's like mm-hmm. starting to get cold and the bugs are less. And so it's just like if I cough a lot, it's because I'm so allergic to all the dust and cobwebs that I knocked out of my oh entire Oh my gosh, Amy, you are so spot on with it. It's like everyone talks about spring cleaning. When you're a horse person and you live in a <laughs> northern climate, there is also winter prep. Yes. It's a whole thing you have to do. You're literally changing your entire life to become slightly dormant, slightly nocturnal, and have many layers. Oh my it's- God, <laughs> you're exactly right. There's the winter prep. So then you have to get the fly sheets and the fly masks put away, mm-hmm. and then you have to start bringing out all the blankets and getting those dusted off. And then you can't like, there's not enough time in the day to knock down cobwebs and dust no. out of every and it seems like this time part. of year. They're like, Ooh, it's spooky season right now. So the spiders like got to get my extra overtime. And I'm like, I need you all to calm down I and not have, contribute. Yeah. I've been doing this all day. And as I'm sitting here, like I just randomly have like itches and random spots. Like I feel like there's spiders crawling on me. Oh, I need some help. But yes, we are preparing for the winter, the fall, but it's beautiful now. What's it like up in uh, Detroit, Michigan? Oh my gosh. It is the most beautiful time of year. The, the like remaining three weeks, the golden period of the year for Michiganders. And I'm oh. loving it. It's like 65 to 70, like always sunny golden hour. It feels like all the time. It won't last long, but man, I am basking in it. Jamie. Hang on this to it. Girl. Hang on to it. You'll get there. <laughs> well, Hey, talking about weather and changes, you got to get your horses diet and mineral intake correct. And that is why we have our friends from Kentucky Performance Products to talk to you about their supplements. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. 
Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, Jamie, I'm so excited to invite our next guest, Jen Wright. She's the executive director of the Retired Racehorse Project. She is not a stranger to our show. Jen, welcome back to Retired Racehorse Radio. Hey, guys. I'm so happy to talk with you. Oh, my gosh. She's alive. She made it through the mega makeover. The first ever mega makeover. First, before we get started into anything, how are you doing? Have you eaten? Are you hydrated? How's it going? I Yeah, I've eaten way too much, and <laughs> not everything I've drank has been water. Uh, <laughs> oh, good for you, because that's not good. what I would have an, done. <laughs> yeah, it was an awesome show. It was definitely mega in every sense possible, but it was really fun and really successful, and we're so happy to have put it on. That's amazing. And we're, I'm so excited you're here to kind of give a recap because with everything going on, there's a lot of, is it happening? Is it not happening at the beginning of the year? Then we got some real momentum. Then we got the fear of Delta. It's like, it's been this insane roller coaster to plan the biggest thoroughbred makeover to date. How did it all go? Give us kind of the snapshot of how many trainers were there, the horses that were there. Like, what's the inside scoop? Yeah, we put two classes of competitors side by side this year. So we had to postpone last year due to the pandemic. And then it was kind of a little bit nerve wracking leading up to it only because like you said, there was this kind of what if mentality with COVID cases starting to spike. And that kind of was combined with just all over. I'm sure everyone experienced this who was back out going to major events or bigger horse shows. Like they were very challenging to put on for the show organizers and things just weren't quite falling into place. In a lot of cases, they had competitors or spectators who were hypercritical in some cases or lack of spectators or competitor involvement or lack of volunteers. And there were just a lot of challenges like there would be when you're coming back online with anything after a global shutdown. So <laughs> We were very pleasantly surprised that we really didn't have those challenges. We had a great pool of volunteers. I think we had over 200 volunteers. Amazing. um, Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of volunteers to put on a 10-discipline competition that takes over almost the entire Kentucky Horse Park. So that was huge. And then we had between four and 500 competitors come from all over the U.S. and Canada. Understandably, there were a number of them who weren't able to come either due to COVID reasons or due to 
family reasons or just it ended up not being goal for their horse at this point in their training or a lot of the market is really hot. So a lot of people were able to either sell or adopt out their horse beforehand if that was their goal coming into the makeover and you'd be silly not to take advantage. So there were reasons why we had a higher number of scratches than we normally would, but they were very understandable reasons. And then the people who came to compete, we had ridiculous talent this year. I I would say by and large, the 2020 competitors, they had extra time to prepare. They had a year and a half to prepare and they came with their A game. They had gotten the horses out and showing a lot more than you normally would be able Mm -hmm. to going into the makeover. So they brought this air of professionalism and polish, which I kept saying on the live stream when we were doing it, I felt like in the warm-up rings, that was rubbing off on the younger horses because you vibe with your tribe. And if there are the professionals setting the tone in the warm-up ring, the younger ones were kind of feeding off of that added level of calmness and composure. And so I had a number of competitors just mention off the cuff, not knowing that other people had mentioned it, just saying like, the warm-up rings were so much calmer than, A, most other makeovers, which are basically green horse competitions, but B, most other horse shows in general. Like, they were just very low-key, which is really cool. I I was going to ask, you know, with that difference, was it pretty easy to tell then, like, which horses were the 2020 horses and then which were the 2021? Because I just feel... Really? Nope. That was so surprising. We thought it would be because you have like a year and a half versus 10 months to condition and feed and train and muscle up your horse. And the 2020 class definitely looked apart, but this was the 21 class was by and large the best class of competitors we've ever seen come into this competition. When we were watching the finale on Sunday with the 2021 horses, everyone kept saying like, they're just as good as the ones that came yesterday. And like, they were incredible. They were so professional. And I think it's just kind of like, you guys have talked on your show a lot about silver linings from the pandemic. The pandemic brought so many challenges and so many negative aspects with it, but there were silver linings as well. And so for the people who brought their A-game to this competition, I think in some ways the pandemic afforded them the opportunity to invest mm-hmm. more of themselves, like their time, their, skill, their money in their horses. Yeah, it yeah. was it was so cool to watch. That's so interesting to think about, especially, I mean, not to get into politics or anything like that, but we're probably going to be still living in a hybrid world to some degree now that companies have learned to adapt to that, which for those who maybe are amateurs or have a full-time job, but also do horses and want to compete, if you have that flexibility in the schedule, that could really open some doors to be a future competitor at the makeover. Yeah, I think you're right. I didn't get the opportunity to ask all of the top 10 finishers or really all of the people at the makeover, what was your approach? How did this differ from years past? But that's something that I think hopefully we can glean from our surveys and also just the more we talk with competitors and do stories about the horses they came and and did well, we'll kind of identify what some of the tricks of the trade were this year. And Mm -hmm. now every year, the whole goal of this competition is to elevate the horsemanship surrounding the off-track thoroughbred movement. And Mm -hmm. I think we just saw that make a giant leap forward this year. I'm sure too, with 
as much bleak and uncertainty there has been, this has probably been a huge highlight for many people, whether they were competitors or spectators or purchasers, adopters. This is something a lot of people, I think, were looking forward to for the year. So thank you so much to you and your team for putting it all together, because that is not an easy feat to do. Oh, my gosh. We have an incredible team. I kept joking all week. I'm like the weakest link of this team. (laughs) We have (laughs) such a good team. And they really, like Kirsten Green is our show organizer, basically. And she is just a logistics queen. So things were running like a well-oiled machine and very organized because of her. And we had Kristen Bentley, who was handling all the communications. And she had a whole team that was trying to get all of these communications out to the general public and to the racing industry. We had, because we were getting results and like tangible photos and, and information into the hands of the connections of these horses, a lot of the thoroughbred farms, for example, in the area came out and brought like gift bags to all the people who are riding horses who are by their stallions or from their consignments or grew up at their farms. And there were a lot more connections made between the racing world and the off-track world this year because of that communications team. And then we had like Jen Crowell with all of our data management and all of the online like instant scoring that we have. Thanks to her, we had Sally and Julia on our team who were handling like all of the vendors and all of the information desk and the silent auction that was just incredible. And Raina, who's our show secretary, was answering all the competitor questions and trying to keep everyone kind of up to speed on anything they needed there. And then we had like all of our judges and all of our stewards and our board members, everyone just really pulled together to make it happen because they knew how important it was to the people who invested all of this time and money into the horses over the last year, if not two years. So yeah, it was a team effort, big time. Absolutely amazing. And like applauding, like all the way from the great North up here for you and the entire RRP team. Let's talk a little bit about the winners. Cause you did a different way of judging this year than you have in the past. So you had two overall winners. There's the 2020 winner thunderous affair who famous Lindsay Partridge took in. Yeah. And then we also had on um, the 2021 winner for the greater good of and Lauren Sloan competed um, him. And we're hopefully going to get both of them on for our next episode to talk about their training and how they oh, got to cool. where they are. But how did that judging process go this year and kind of experimenting with that as opposed to just having a, a general population vote? So ever since the makeover was created, this idea was created and grew legs. We've been trying to figure out the right formula for choosing the winner. There's a lot of money on the line. Like that's a $10,000 bonus to the winner. So it's important. And so in the the past couple of years, we did a text to vote where the idea was that the people who were attending the makeover and watching all of these performances would text and vote on the winner. But we soon realized that kind of becomes a popularity contest, especially when social media is involved. And so it's like that whole idea of the best laid plans aren't always what works the best. And so this year we came up with the plan to have all of our judges 
two from every discipline who would stay all day Saturday and Sunday, since we had two finales on Saturday and Sunday, watch all of the top performances. And then they would judge, because the horse show judge, even if you're a judge that focuses on jumpers or judge that focuses on dressage, you know a good horse and a good training example when you see it, even if it's outside of your discipline. And so we had all of the judges watch all of the performances, and then they selected the horses or ranked the horses, excuse me, who they thought made the most impressive transformation from racehorse to their chosen discipline. And we thought that was a much more fair way to do it and also a much more informed way to do it. So all of those judges kind of looked at the horses critically, but also in an unbiased way. They weren't looking just at their discipline. They were looking at all the horses. Who was the most impressive transformation? Was this horse that was playing polo more skilled than this horse that became a dressage horse? And so we thought that was a much better way to do it for the amount of money that was on the line. But then The people's choice is so important because we want people to get engaged in the process. And it's fun to be able to vote. Like That's why American Idol or The Voice on TV has become so popular. Mm -hmm. And so we took that text-to-vote scenario and moved that to a People's Choice Award. And we had a pot of money, $2,500, that the People's Choice Award winner would get to donate to the charity of their choice. So the people were voting on their favorite for whatever reason that is. And then the winners earned the opportunity to make a donation to the organization that matters to them. So we thought that was a cool way to put a spin on it. I think that's amazing. And such a unique way to give back to for all the work. I mean, you really are the spokes team for the thoroughbred and helping to create this demand and drive and to showcase how versatile they really are coming off the track. It's, that it's actually joy. If you think about it, I mean, this is like Stuart Pittman who kind of had, mm-hmm. this was his brainchild back in the day when he first started this, that was what he wanted to do was to bridge the yeah. gap between people yeah. that own racehorses and people that wanted retired racehorses and to to give value to the racehorse mm-hmm. that maybe they they didn't have before you know th- now it's cool okay to retire your racehorse while it's still sound to to watch it take off in a new career there's so many people that don't they don't run them in claiming races till they're they can't run anymore they actually mm-hmm. are invested in the future of these horses and i think that's where it needs to start and that's where it has started and what you guys did this year by Trying to bring everybody together, it should be applauded. Really great. It really is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we are seeing a lot more of that. That's a really good point that you just made that so many more people on the track are becoming aware of how much these horses can do off the track and how much their value is increasing off of the track. And so we, throughout the week, we had a number of people who kind of from the racing industry who maybe had heard of the makeover, but they really discovered what the makeover was this year. And they reached out to either us as the RRP or different people they knew were connected to the RRP asking how they could get horses in their barn who they knew were kind of at the end of their career. How could they get them in the hands of someone who's going to point them toward next year's makeover, which 
that's really meaningful. That's it's huge. also so, a huge badge of yeah. honor for all these people that actually have horses that are in the like the rescue near me. They're like, we have two heading to the makeover that were adopted <laughs> from them. It's definitely a point of pride for yeah. these people to be able to follow even the rescues to be able to follow along with horses that were adopted. And the rescue lets the owners know. And then it's like this huge down this a huge like uh, avalanche created by a horse that is going to be shown off at the makeover. So I think it's really cool. Really great job. Yeah. One really cool horse that kind of fits that profile you just talked about was there was a horse last year that we, or last year, two years ago, pandemic brain, two years ago in 2019, when we did the makeover masterclass, that racehorse retraining plan that we do every year, there was a horse from the secretariat center that was in that masterclass. And when we do those clinics, Almost always the horses get adopted out right away after being showcased in those clinics. We did another one last week on Friday, and the horses have been getting tons of inquiries and either have been adopted out or there's one where they have multiple options to choose from. So in 2019, there was this horse called Normandy Crossing from the Secretariat Center that was lovely. And it was worked with by Emily Brolier-Curtis, who's a dressage rider. It ended up being adopted soon after that masterclass concluded by an amateur, a junior, excuse me. Her parents adopted it and she wrote it in the makeover this year in dressage. And we were setting up on uh, Saturday and Sunday and we saw a horse kind of schooling in the arena and we, a couple of us just stopped and we were like, oh my gosh, that's just a lovely picture of a horse and rider just working together and having this connection. And then it turns out it's the horse that we featured in that masterclass two years ago. And that rider is the one who saw something in that horse and adopted it and they competed in the makeover together and are on their way to a great career in the dressage ring. So that kind of stuff is what it's all about. It's yeah. so cool to yeah. see this happen. I actually think we had her for an interview too with Ponty was the horse's name. Tiaria had a team, but I think I know oh, which horse you're talking Sporta about. Ponty. Yeah. Yeah. Sparta Ponty. Jen, thank you so much for joining us and giving us this recap. If people want to learn more about the Thoroughbred Makeover or the Retired Racehorse Project, where do you recommend they find you? They can go to retiredracehorseproject.org. We'll be opening applications for trainers to compete in next year's makeover at the end of this year. And they can find those applications on tbmakeover.org, which is the website for the competition itself. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you at our holiday episode in a few weeks. I can't wait. Thanks, Jen. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From candle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. To find their products, you can visit an authorized dealer or visit CashelCompany.com. Well, I'm excited to introduce our next guest. We have Rachel Walker. She teaches as an adjunct professor at the University of Wisconsin, River Falls in the equine science department. So she's a woman after her own heart there constantly with horses in that career. She also coaches the IHSA hunt seat team. She owns her own equestrian business, Double Shot Equestrian, where she teaches riders how to ride as well as train horses, in particular, restarting thoroughbreds, which makes her perfect for this show. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you for having me. 
Of course. We're so excited to have you on because you're basically training up the next generation of potential makeover competitors. That was pretty much the idea. Yes. Like you said, I teach at the university. I've been coaching for 14 years. And that was after I went to this university and rode on the team. So I've been involved with the college students for quite some time and then started teaching as an adjunct like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's been exciting to kind of help build up the English side of the program here at River Falls. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your history and how you got involved in horses. How long have you been in it yourself? <laughs> I was one of those kids who wanted a pony and I rode my grandparents' dog and I had all the briars <laughs> and I read all the books. And then I wanted to come to UW River Falls and major in equine science. And my father said, are you out of your mind? That's not a career. You cannot do that. But my parents, like, they might not understand, but they're always very supportive. And they helped me out with college. And I came to River Falls and I studied equine science, got a bachelor's degree in that. And I mean, I really like the academic side of things. I came back fairly quickly as the coach of the equestrian, the IHSA team Mm -hmm. here. Fairly soon after I graduated, I came back to do that. And then three years ago, they approached me about starting to do some teaching. And I jumped all over that, too. I like the college age where kids are kind of finding out who they are and they're digging a little deeper into what they want to do, like I got to do when I was here. So I guess a lot of what I did, I rode 4-H as a kid. We didn't have a trailer. I didn't have a lot of money. So I didn't get to take a lot of lessons. I just kind of was a backyard rider. And more of my experience came from riding on the team at River Falls and from our classes. So we have a beginning riding class in an English saddle. And then we have an advanced Western track and an advanced English track, which I did all of that. And then we have a training program. (laughs) There's actually college classes where you come in to ride as a study. Yes, I taught two of them this morning. I, I had my beginner prom. kids cantering. I did call it prom. <laughs> That's okay. That's great to know. And what an amazing opportunity. <laughs> it is. And so in the Western side, we have a colt in training. So a colt starting program where you're assigned a two-year-old quarter horse and they walk you through starting a horse under saddle and they auction these horses off at the end, which is not just here. So that's not unusual to our program. There are many programs like that in the country. And I did that for several years. I loved it. But nobody has the English equivalent of that. I don't feel like we certainly don't. And I don't feel like other universities do. And I feel like the restarting thoroughbreds is kind of the English equivalent of that Colton training program. It's the similar idea Yeah. in our industry. So is this where the pilot program kind of had its birthplace in a way where you're like, let me, I have these thoroughbreds out there. I know they're a popular route. What if we brought these into the university? How did you know, how did the university think about that? Like there's some stereotypes around (laughs) thoroughbreds. Like we're not shy to it, especially sometimes coming from the Western pleasure world. (laughs) Definitely. Um, And our Western horses are more rainers, but they're still quiet. Did you get some raised eyebrows when you proposed this idea? We did. And actually another professor, Dr. Michelle DeBoer is the one that had the idea for this. Okay. And she approached me quite some time ago and she said, if we can get this to happen, do you want to teach it? Cause she said, I can't teach it. I can't ride a thoroughbred. <laughs> you need, someone else needs to teach it. And I jumped right on it. My concern at the time was where do we get thoroughbreds or how do you get them off the track and give them the downtime they need on the university's dollar and 
how do you pitch that to the higher ups and make it feasible? It's just not. Mm-hmm. So over the summer, Dr. DeBoer got in touch with Nancy Turner and Nancy runs, there's a nonprofit called This Old Horse, which is kind of what it sounds like. Like if your horse needs to retire, it can go to that program. They will rehome it if they can find a good home for it. And that's been around for like almost 10 years. This old horse just partnered with our local tracks and in particular Canterbury, which is the thoroughbred track, to try to bridge the gap between retired racehorse and new racehorse home, right? So like the retired retraining kind of part of things. And what they're lacking is the retraining piece to a certain extent because it's a new program. So they got in touch with each other and Dr. DeBoer called me and said, I have the horses. I have the, the source. So that racehorse reimagined can get the horses off the track, give them a little downtime, teach them how to go and be turned out and kind of get rid of some of those track things and treat some ulcers or what mm-hmm. reshoe or whatever they need to, which allowed us the opportunity to get horses in our program that are ready to be restarted. And so everything just kind of like clicked, I guess, that way for us. That's amazing. So like um, divine intervention is so great. It's a cosmic it is. play here. <laughs> so what that's how I felt, you know? Yeah, it was meant to be. And that's always amazing. What about on the students' ends when they, they heard this opportunity? Did you see a high demand? Did you have some students who were unsure? Oh, no, they all want to do this. And the ones that are unsure, I've had freshmen approach me and say, I hope I'm a good enough rider to be in that program when I'm in upperclassmen. Oh, I love that. That makes my heart so happy. Yes. <laughs> we started a Facebook page the day we brought these four horses. It was a week before classes started. We picked up four horses. We brought them. We started a Facebook page for the program. And in two hours, we had a hundred comments. It was just like oh. unreal. Wow. So I, I, I mean, I knew it would be popular, but that blew me away. So let's talk a little bit about the structure of the program. Is this an all year? Is it semester-based like other courses. How does this work if other universities or those in academics would like to set up a similar program? Yeah. So here at River Falls, the Colts in training is a spring semester program. So they start late January, those Colts come in and then by mid-May, they're done. They wrap up and they do the auction. So it's like a 90-day track. Mm -hmm. And because of the number of Colts that come in and fill the barn, we can't do the thoroughbred class at the same time because it would be too much going on in one arena and one barn. Mm -hmm. So we took fall semester because there is no equivalent program in the fall. So we kind of have the same 90 days, like beginning of September through about the first week of December is what we've got with these horses. And that with that in mind, then talking with Nancy Turner, that's why I said, I want horses that have had some downtime that know how to be turned out. I wanted geldings around the ages of like four, five, six, seven, mm-hmm. so that they're ready to come into this program and get going. And it, otherwise, you can spend three months trying to get them to gain weight. I wanted ones that were ready to be started under saddle so that the students could learn that. But then in saying that, too, part of this program is Purina is a brand ambassador with this old horse. They have oh, a partnership, excellent. so they're providing the feed. Mm-hmm. But my students make up all the feed baggies. My students are here when the farrier comes. So I'm trying to get them not only like riding, but involved in all the different aspects of the full like care, how we care of for them. these horses. And yeah. Building relationships. It's your job to feed them. It's your job to. Right. And they need front shoes. They need one pulled issue. Okay. Bring it in. Farrier's coming at nine. Somebody go grab it. So to kind of put that responsibility on them as well, that 
it, it takes more than just hopping in the saddle five days a week. That's excellent. And so at the end of the semester, those horses then go up for adoption or may, are they able to be adopted during the program? The new owner would wait until after the semester is wrapped up. How does that work? <laughs> that is what we are figuring out right now. There <laughs> were a lot of emails going around today. <laughs> so Racehorse Reimagined just bought a new farm about 30 minutes from our campus. And that farm is set up with two outdoors and an indoor. So it's set up for like riding and training. And that's where they would like the thoroughbreds to come to that facility. So this year we're doing kind of a open house, grand opening gala event at their farm on December. Wow. I believe it's the 11th, Saturday, the 11th. So we're in the process of planning how that looks, but all the students will ride their horses in sort of a showcase so that people can come and they can watch the horses ride and ask questions. And then, yes, they'll all be available for adoption. So oh, beautiful. You know, if, you're, if they follow the Facebook page, they can follow along with updates. Friday, my students have a video due, kind of a mid-semester video of their horse, like a mock sales video. And then they'll do a final sales video at the end of the semester. So kind of teaching them the marketing side of it. What do people want to see when you market this horse? How do you tell people if, like, we have one that's a little afraid of traffic. That's mm -hmm. something that people need to know might spin when you go past somebody yeah. in the indoor. So like, what kind of information do you put out? How do you put it out there? What's important to have in a video, in a confirmation picture? Because I think the retraining of the racehorse is you need those skills also. You need the management yeah. skills and you need the marketing skills to be able to successfully move them on. Exactly. And it's transferable skills. Anywhere they go in the equine world, whether they're with thoroughbreds, Arabians, quarter horses, there are going to be skills that are completely transferable. So it's amazing work you're doing, kind of showing them the entire life cycle of when you bring them and what to look for, like those ideal candidates for the program, all the way to marketing and finding them forever homes. Yes. And actually, when you said that, it reminded me, um, the beginning of the semester, we took a tour of the racetrack with... Joseph Skirto is kind of our racetrack contact for this old horse and racehorse reimagined. He's the one that helps move horses into programs like this. Mm -hmm. So he wants to partner with us also. So we got the girls a tour of the track and we talked with a couple of trainers and got that's to see the barns. Awesome. And, that, and that's I wanted them to, to see, see like, yeah, how does this horse live before it comes to you? And how does that inform how they behave mm -hmm. and what they may have learned or not learned and what we need to teach them or what we need to teach them different than what they knew at the track. But it was really cool to see that firsthand. Absolutely. That I mean, that's pretty much why we started this show was anyone who is either working with thoroughbreds or had adopted a thoroughbred, they would get some pieces of their life on the track and maybe why they have some of those behaviors they have or need a little bit more time or whatever it might be coming off the track and giving that full story. Because I want to say probably before a retired racehorse project really got popular with the makeover, those were kind of well-kept secrets from the majority of us. You had to do a lot of digging. Yeah. So it's great yep. that you're exposing this younger generation who are going to be up and coming and hopefully someday be competing at the makeover on their own or getting involved with rescues or whatever it might be to continue to offer oh, the thoroughbred a second chance. Yeah. We, we I don't can know take if, the whole class to the makeover. That'd be great. I don't know if you listen, we did... Our last episode, actually, we had uh, Tiari Asenta Steven. She came on. She's also a professor, and she led a team who competed a thoroughbred at the makeover. So four of her students oh. were part of a whole team for it. 
which is really oh, amazing cool. that they were able to get involved and be a part of the entire process. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, so maybe so a future goal. See that too. Yeah, future goal maybe. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. So, like, this is the pilot program. We found out like late July that we could get the horses, and school started on September second. So, it happened very quickly. Very quick like, turnaround. I know. I was like, I don't know if we can do this. Um, I only have three students this semester. They're all on my team. They all have experience with Colton training or with thoroughbreds specifically. So I felt pretty good about these three students. And I tell them every week, like, you guys are my guinea pigs. You're helping me figure out like what I need to do, what I need to make sure I include. Um, in the future, there will be a lecture portion associated mm-hmm. with this. And so this class, like really this semester is feeling our way through it together and trying to figure out how to make things run more smoothly next year and the year after and, you know, funnel it into a little bit more of a fine-tuned, as fine-tuned as you can get being that they're horses and they're all different, that you can't just follow a program, but you can have a general outline. And some of the things that I, like, I need to make sure that I set aside one-on-one time with every student. And I hadn't thought about that specifically before jumping into the class. That I now realize in the future, that's going to be an important check-in that not just to get together in class as a group, but individual check-ins at least once per semester is going to be an important piece. So it's, you know, figuring those things out Mm -hmm. this semester, wading my way through with Mm -hmm. the students. Well, I think that's awesome, Rachel. And you took an initiative, you took a chance, you had support, which is the one thing that we all ask for any of these things that we do. And then I think the yeah. students are really taking away from it. So thank you so much for putting this program out there and sharing it with us. And we can't wait to see how it grows and develops. If anyone wants to follow the work you're doing or seeing what horses you'll have for adoption, where's the best place that they can follow your journey? So on Facebook, it's UWRF Racehorse Retraining Program. And then Instagram would not let me be that long with the name. So on Instagram, it's U-W-R-F-O-T-T-B class. Amazing. And one of those should get you to the other one. So if you can go on there, I try to post pictures. We meet for class twice a week. So I try to at least throw up a couple pictures. Like I said, Friday, their videos are due. So those mid-semester sale videos should be up over the weekend. And awesome. information about the gala events or information about retired racehorse and this old horse or sorry racehorse reimagined racehorse reimagined has partnerships with other organizations throughout the country and they can send horses to other locations and so getting in touch with them like no matter where you're at in the country like we have horses coming off the track they just came off about four to six weeks ago so there is an influx in this area of horses coming off of the track Mm -hmm. because now it's winter and we're shut down yeah Well, amazing. Well, we'll be sure to share those links in our show notes for anyone who would like to get access. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your story. And we cannot wait to see how this program grows and develops and hopefully inspires a new trend in other universities. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was really exciting to get to talk about this. Thanks for joining. Have a great one. Thanks. You too. Arena saddles are beautifully styled with meticulous attention to detail. Classically crafted from European leather, riders will appreciate the elegance and quality of arena saddles. Whether you are competing in dressage, jumping a course, or riding on the trail, there is a perfect arena saddle for you. The arena all-purpose saddle has been carefully developed with you and your horse's comfort in mind with a balanced all-purpose seat, giving you support to move with your horse in total harmony. 
With saddles for every discipline price at just $15.99, there is an arena saddle that's perfect for you. To view the full range of arena saddles or find a retailer, visit arenasaddles.com. Please welcome Leandra Cooper back to the show, our friend and resident thoroughbred trainer. She works at New Vocations and kind of the head rider out there. And we like to just randomly ask training questions of you, Leandra, and uh, not really give you any notice for things. Are you prepared for the challenge today? Always. (laughs) I love it. Leandra, first of all, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. Hmm. Well, my pleasure. She doesn't sound excited, Joy. So, okay, (laughs) let's go. Leandra, we were talking a little bit earlier about the fact that the weather is changing and we're starting to have to put away our fly mask and start to bring out the flight and the blankets and stuff. What are some things that you guys do at New Vocations to start to prepare your horse either for the change in the weather or the change in the season, the temperature changes? What are some things that you guys would like tips you would give us to help our thoroughbreds make that transition? That is a great question. And one of the things that makes our barn unique is that we have horses constantly coming and going. And what that means for us is we're constantly evaluating what we need to be doing. And we don't have the benefit of having really predictable horses who have predictable routines and we know exactly how they're going to act. We don't get that. So we're always trying to consider all the different ways that we can prepare for worst case scenarios and make sure that the horses are as adaptable as can possibly be. And going into colder weather and having horses come from all over the country, especially when horses actively on the circuit for the track are going down to warmer places. And so when they come to us, they're going to be transitioning to colder environment Mm -hmm. that we need to make sure that they can stay healthy and consistent to not have a huge shock to their system. And some of the best ways to do that are, one, something maybe people don't think about, but providing salt and or electrolytes. This is really important because it keeps them drinking water. And while it seems like something that would be obvious when it's warm, sometimes people neglect to do things like check your, especially the outside waters, make sure all the water sources are clean, that they can have fresh water and that they want to drink. Because sometimes they're used to drinking a lot of water, it gets colder, they're just not thinking about it as much. And it's really important to keep them consistently drinking water because you really don't want them to colic and some horses get a little agitated or more sensitive to those weather changes anyway. So one of the absolute best things you can do to avoid things like impaction is to provide salt electrolytes, just keep them drinking water. Well, and And that's the thing too, if it's a little bit colder, you, uh, me as a person, I don't drink as much water and then, you know, I'll get a right. headache or, you yeah. know, what I've got stomach. That translates to colic in horses, whatever they're feeling yeah. that because they didn't drink yeah. enough water translates to colic. So they're, yeah, they're not going to go, always. my head hurts a little bit. This is weird. Yeah. You know, they just, they don't do that. They just colic. So that is yeah. really good and advice. Really important too, because as those lush pastures, which hopefully you guys have, maybe you don't, but even if you do have them, those are things that are 
going to be depleted and going to be muddy or gross or inaccessible because of snow. And that means that they're not getting that fresh grass, which means you're going to be compensating with hay, which is a dried out source. Again, you're not getting as much moisture content from that. And it's a shift in your routine. So you want to have at least 2% of your horse's body weight coming from that roughage. And you're going to have to be making up for what they're not getting in fresh grass, especially if they're used to that, in hay. And that dry source requires fresh hay needs to be accompanied by fresh water and then keeping them drinking that because maybe just a change in routine. Maybe they're come from somewhere warmer and all of that. So the really good fresh hay and providing that and having fresh water, that's your foundation for all nutritional things. But it's really important to keep them from getting that intestinal distress. They're already going to have external stressors like temperature change. And we could go into like blanketing and all the individual needs for their internal body temperatures and all of that. Like People love to have that discussion about blankets, but really the thing that is going to help them more than anything is making sure that they're healthy and functional, right? Because a good, healthy horse should be able to grow a little bit longer coat, should be able to adjust, and then you can make whatever sort of decisions you want about things like blankets and all of that, which people, like I said, hot topic. To be fair, these horses, a lot of them come off the track. They go to you or they come to me, you know, wherever they go, they come off the track and they have no hair. And it will be yeah. December and they have been blanketed yeah. constantly. And it's not quite fair to just be like, I don't blanket, get over it. Like that's, yeah. that's not fair. So you're not going to well, create depends, a healthy horse. No. And it depends on how much you're riding too. If you're grooming them all the time and you're taking away some of that really thick undercoat because you're grooming them because you want to be clean while you're riding and all that, it's really not fair to take that away from them, which like in a more non-domestic situation they'd be able to grow it nobody would be brushing it off of them but you really have to consider the way that they're going to be working and the fact that they really can't have a blanket on them damp and all those sort of considerations but yeah the, all, you know the things i like to point out are those ones that maybe people don't think about as much which make sure you've got a healthy horse at the foundation of it make sure that their gut is as good and healthy as they can things like ulcer guard, like this is a great time to address all that because that's what's going to really help them transition no matter what other things you are going to be able to provide like blankets or not that make sure you've got a really good healthy horse at the foundation of everything because you don't have that nothing else really matters exactly and our horses work darn hard to make sure that they got lots of dirt under that hair and so you should not take it away from them (laughs) (laughs) well leandra as as always we're going to highlight one of the horses at new vocations in kentucky tell us a little bit about sound effect you know everybody loves a gray Everybody does love a gray. That is, it certainly seems to be a rule with maybe few exceptions. But Sound Effect is a really unique horse, different than the ones that we, I mean, not just every horse is unique, I guess. But I mean, for who we usually talk about, because he was born in 2009, which puts him at a 12-year-old. He's a beautiful gray 16-1, stockier build. You might be asking yourself why we have a 12-year-old up on there. And he was pretty accomplished. In, he had a 51-start race career, which puts him at four-horse status. He's done plenty. His last race is in 2016, and he's come back to us because he was adopted out for years, and he was no longer staying sound enough for that job. And the adopter knew that he had this option with us, and we actually, this guy in particular, has a breeder, the person who originally donated him and had him on the track and everything. He, all his connections still want to play a role in that. 
But we came to this decision that if he could still be adopted out as a companion or a trail type horse, that he still has this active mind and this willingness to be part of a really active community. He's not really mentally quite at the point where he is like, I just want to be retired, though he has a retirement option that we will always take a horse back at any point in their lifetime. And like I said, this guy even has another option with his original donors. But we're really hoping that he can still be part of a more active community because not every horse wants to. Certainly thoroughbreds, many of them really like working. And this is a horse who certainly likes to be part of a more active community. And so we thought that we would see if there was somebody who would want to take on a horse who just wants to do light work under saddle. And he loves it. He goes like he's all about it. He's just, he's, so this is sort of a different perspective than many of the ones we talk about because this is really reflecting on this, this importance of this whole lifetime commitment to these horses, which even though most of ours are really young and they get adopted out, we hope they stay there forever, that we want to make sure that this usefulness, this sense of belonging and being part of this family is something that we can hopefully provide this horse Aww. throughout their entire lifetime. So that even if they, even if you need the retirement option, that's fine. We can do that. We can coordinate that. But he's looking for this next stage in his lifetime and his career where he can be part of another home. And we're excited to see if that's something that we can help him do one way or another, no matter what. I love it. I think it's, I think you're spot on with the fact that these horses want to do something. I mean, he was a a war horse. He is used to working. He's had a job his whole life and some of them don't handle just put him out in the pasture. Not all horses are one of you wild horses. So I do Mm -hmm. see there's obviously something in his hind end. When you're riding him in the arena, it's a one horse. And then you've got a video of him hacking out. It's a totally different horse. Holy cow. Like loose rain. He looks sounder. He looks happier. His ears are up. He's definitely happier being out hacking. And that is a great job. There's so many people that give him enough miles at this for you guys and then send him on to somebody who just wants a happy hacker in the field. There's yeah. always a horse for everybody and there's a everybody for a, a horse. It's the yeah. whole initiative with my right horse initiative is like find the right horse exactly. for the right person and then it's going to go from there. So I wish the best exactly. of luck to sound effect. You guys are doing an awesome thing and I love when the rescues do take them back. I think it's really important. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> What's the whole point anyway of the dang rescue if you won't help them out later on in life? I mean, my gosh. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, Leandra, thank you so much for being on with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, please give Sound Effect a smooch on the nose from us. Will do. All right. Thanks, girl. Thank you, guys. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. And of course, if you like us on Instagram, you could potentially be our listener of the week. Also, you can find me on Facebook, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor, or email me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, and Cashflow Company. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. Bay, neuter, geld. Bye, guys. Bye.